What the fuck was that? I mean, I knew that's what it was going to be. I knew that's what it was going to be. And yet I was still surprised by its terribleness. Wow. Wow. I'm Welcome tired. to Podlander Drunk Castanellan. <laughs> I know it doesn't feel good. That didn't feel good. Um, you know, so so I, uh, full disclosure, um, as, as some of you may know, based on uh, the little teeny tiny Instagram live we did this weekend, Julie and I were traveling on Sunday um, and all of yesterday. Um, just just making out in the backseat of a Volvo. I don't know. Like you <laughs> It wasn't do. a Volvo and there wasn't any making out, but it was still really fun. Um, so we are recording this on a weekday afternoon. Uh, so if anybody seems a little, if anybody besides Julie who had today off seems a little yeah. scattered, uh, it's because uh, Janine and I are, <laughs> are, are, are bouncing between tasks, or at least I am. It's just me. They're going to be you. fine. Sorry. I just woke up from a nap. That's what I just did. So You know what? That's an activity. And You're Jasper, bouncing between activities. Jasper cuddled the fuck out of me. It was so good and so cute. Sweet. Maybe choose a different word, though. All right. So two of us are well-rested and beloved by our animals. <laughs> I am in the middle of my workday, and the cat jumped up on my desk as I was trying to put my laptop on it. Um... <laughs> because she's real pissed that we were out of town all weekend. So um, it's going to be a real one. Uh, but we are here for the first time together since the first episode of the season, which is great. That's correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, been, it's been a while. Um, Literally. Yeah. And we're talking about... Uh, so Wolf's breath... The, hold on. I've got the, thi- I've got the exact... Hour of the daily. Wolf. Hour of, of the wolf. Hour of the Wolf. The Outlander episode. season six. Episode four. This is uh, an 80, this is an eighty songs reference, yes. No, that's no, hungry that's, like the wolf, dude. Hungry like a wolf? Is that what the yeah. uh, do hungry we like feel the wolf? How how do we feel hungry after this episode? Am are my uh, like am I thirsty after this episode? Well someone is. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean that's a that's a form d- of hunger. Julie. Hold on. I know we're on we're in other places, but um we're recording this episode remotely, but I'm holding my hand up and I'm pretending that this is your hand. Um, High five. Baby. High five. That was a that was a good one. Um you'll understand, Janine. There you'll, is at you'll get least there, one guaranteed mm. oh shit in this episode. Guaranteed. Yes. I would wow, bet we... a lot of money on the fact that we're going to get no shit. You can't try to force it, though. You have to let it happen naturally. I mean, I'm I'm going to try to avoid it. No, I'm not going to You won't be able it. to. No, that's there the is that's a, why it's going to be natural. One, there is one that will create it. Okay. Do you, bat, okay. Okay. Let's do this. Let's, uh, right. let, let's find where the, the spirit and the spirit of the wolf takes me. Uh, I'd like to I'd like to start real quick if it's okay. I want to institute yeah. something because I I got it in my critic brain. I think it's important because uh, we often forget to do this. So in addition to being titled Hour of the Wolf, this episode was directed by Luke Shellhaus. Uh, no, sorry, Thank written you. by Luke Shellhaus and directed by Christina Christiana, sorry, Ebahan Green, um, uh, who also directed the next episode. So we have that to look forward to. Um, also, fun fact, one of the two directors of Allegiance is Steve Kornacki. Not that Steve Kornacki. <laughs> <laughs> um, although it would be really cool if it was. I looked it up just to make sure. Um, it's not that Steve Kornacki. It's not That's Maps I, Bay. 
I was going to say it's not Naps Bay with nice ties, right? No. That's no. Different, right. Right. different Steve different Kornacki. Steve Kornacki. That's a very yeah. specific name. Um, I uh, would like to say one other thing before we jump in. That is, I, I know I said this in my little end of thingy at the last episode, but um, I cannot believe I missed Corpse Who Sits Up and Complains About Her Funeral. <laughs> and I cannot believe I missed the matches. Um, I, ha- I was so ready to riff on, way to go, Brianna. You get to... You get to inv- bring future technology to the past, and what you choose is a thing that makes it more likely that your house will burn down when that is the reason you traveled to the past in the first place. Um, but still. Corpse that, sat, that stood up, sat, sat up was, that was, god damn it, fucking It was very fun. Hi, James. It was very funny. You know what? Please tell me. I haven't. I haven't listened to the episode yet, so please tell me that you worked in some we kick and punch and kick and punch and then we kick and then we punch and then we kick and... Yeah, I know totally. that I'm disappointed. <laughs> I can tell from the look on your face. Untrue. We did talk about that at one point because there was the sound of that music when Jamie came back from being with the Cherokee. And instead mm. of oh. let's kick and punch and fight, it's let's fucking, fucking, fucking fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. We did have because, that moment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Because uh, two ladies were grabbing at my balls. They were yes. fucking, yeah. Two ladies. That's a music theater <laughs> I totally thought about the cabaret song, too. And I'm the only man. Yeah. Wow. How yeah. come I've never made that joke when it's two girls, one moi? How come one we've moi. never done cabaret for Fergus? I do not know. He would be an excellent he MC, would though. Be, he would be an excellent MC for that. that Caesar Don Boy, call us. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody. Somebody better call than <laughs> Eddie. Call us from the Seine again. When you, yeah. when you got when you got yeah, that yeah just walk uh, us around yes. Paris again yeah that know, was yeah. that we was wonderful it. please do that again with that, that okay mm-hmm. so hour of the wolf mm-hmm. not to be confused we, confused with hungry like the wolf or season of the witch <laughs> this is gonna be great so yeah we open with a flashback of Ian's by the way we don't call him Ian anymore he's a full grown man. That's true. Oh, he's he's everybody man. okay with that? Yeah. Yeah, he's yes. he's he's earned it. Yeah. He's a grown man. Yeah. Um uh his, <laughs> slightly uh, younger Ian or slightly older Ian. Older Ian. And then his, we'll uh, get to even older Ian. This is a what if it, Midnight Burger what if it, shout out. Midnight Burger now the, streaming as a part of the Bloody What Network? Do you remember? Fable and Folly. Fable and Folly Network starring Julie Starbird. What if we call him Ian cuz he's medium Ian? No. It doesn't work. I think we just we, I mean we we once tried to make who we in work. We who tried who we in. We tried fuck me in. I think. Fuck me in I think I'm good. just gonna call him Ian. Oh, Ian. I mean, he stands yeah. alone. We could also call him it. Wolf's brother. Yeah, because because, that's because what's as we right learn here. in this episode, he is both Scotch and Mohawk forever. Both. Okay. Porque no los dos. <laughs> Okay, Julie, I want you to know it is really hard to say porque no los dos in a Scottish accent. Yeah, I wouldn't know. Because I don't try it. (laughs) Porque no los dos. So Ian is being adopted into the Mohawk. We flash back to his actual adoption ceremony where the whole tribe comes together and welcomes him as one of their own and it's fascinating there's all this great detail stuff about how they give him the mohawk and it's actually just pulling his hair out by the roots oh wow that is wow 
and how they do how the uh, mohawk do the facial tattoos and all sorts of really cool kind of montage of the hot piss of becoming a mohawk and cool. it's it's beautiful and it then it culminates in his naming ceremony and his uh, oh I, I would be remiss if i didn't mention how good rollo looks too just oh saying. yeah good boy and that comes into play because the name that he is given is, is Wolf's brother. Because he and fucking Rollo just randomly are wandering around and this wolf just hangs out with him all the time. That's awesome. Oh, that's right? cute. That's kind of That's very heartwarming. I wrote down the actual name. I don't know. Is it terrible if I attempt to pronounce it? Or, like, I don't even know. Here's the thing. We, Julie and I decided, I'm going to give a little tiny bit of context and then say my opinion. Uh, Julie and I decided that, or realized, I guess, acknowledged, acknowledged the truth that was always real, which is that we are always funniest um, when we exist. When uh, we <laughs> well, watch, when we watch the episode shortly before we record. So even though we are sometimes watching these episodes separately, uh, in particular because we also occasionally have advanced access this season um we as a result don't have a ton of prep time before we record so uh ordinarily what i would have done um and i wish we had done this in previous seasons and we are doing it from now on what i would have done is gone through and written down the phonetic pronunciation of all of the names that we encounter in this episode in the mohawk and cherokee languages Uh, but i haven't so what i would say is if there is an English translation provided for now, let's use that. And I will make a okay. point of doing that before the next episode. And from here on out, we will make a point of at least attempting uh, with due diligence to pronounce those names correctly. Because the show has also clearly made a point of it. And I feel like while sometimes the show maybe doesn't make the effort that we wish it would, it's really um, uh, important that they're doing this. And I want to try to reflect that in the way we cover it. So for now, we Agreed. can say Emily and Wolf's brother and um, he who sings in the morning or um, whatever. I'm not remembering off the top of my head. Um, and then those where there's no English translation, we'll just try our best. Okay. That work for Sweet. you, Jill. Okay. Yes. So Ian's new name or Ian's Mohawk name, because he remains Ian and that's kind of part of the... Mm. whole point of this episode uh is wolf's brother and there is a lovely young woman who is making lots of eyes at him and he is returning the favor during this ceremony so Mm. ian's about to fall in love (sighs) um then we get the title card and the title card is actually two wolves running through the forest together which is really great given the theme of the entire episode and the kind of how it breaks down. There's lots of twos and I'm, brother I, type things. I know we just started, but like I'm, I'm kind of enthused that we're getting a, an Ian story. Like, yeah, this, yes, this guy's getting been put through a lot. You know, I'm excited to see some some good things happen to him, or at least some explanation of like who he is and whatnot. <laughs> I forgot I'm watching Outlanders, so some bad yeah. things happen to him as well. Yeah, yeah, Fuck. some bad I'm things. Sorry. Listener, what you couldn't see is that Janine said, I'm excited to see some good things happen to him. And Julie and I both went like, or like, Um, well, well, there are good things that happen to him. There are. And life is a journey. 
Life is life a series, is a as Kermit the Frog once said, life is a series of meetings and partings. Um, that's a quote from the best movie of all time, Above a Christmas Carol. Anyway. See, also about duality. Twos. Mm. Yeah. Deuces. So man, deuces, man. Deuces. <laughs> this episode is all about deuces. About the deuces. Well, you know what? I'm, it's I'm all. This it. episode drops many a deuce. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> but it no was right there. But no deuce from my mouth yet. Hey, because no, well, because no till now. yet till but out soon. Oh, deuce. <laughs> he he oh, was deuce. making an he was making an oh, oh shit, shit joke. joke. Oh, oh I know that's <laughs> Oh deuce. You know, it's too bad, Janine, because the best joke is like the fourth one that you landed on, but by that point we were so busy trying to explain the jokes you had already made that it got stepped on. So I want to recognize that it took you a while to get there, but when you got to oh deuce, that is a very good joke. That's top tier Janine. Yeah. That's okay. just great. Oh. That's just great. Um I'm still waking up from my nap. Okay. That's All it. right. Never mind. Anyway. And then the actual episode opens with Claire and Jamie just waking up after doing it. We don't get to see the doing it. Ugh. But they are waking up and obviously very happy and smug with them damn selves for just having gotten it on in that fucking bordello bedroom with that incredible wallpaper. It's also very clearly morning sex, which I think uh, yes. does not get enough love on television. Mm. You really only mm-hmm. see morning sex when a superhero's wife has already died and you're seeing the flashback because then they're under the sheet and they're giggling oh, they're yeah. under the sheet and the light is coming through the sheet. Anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like, anyway, the they pain. had morning sex yeah. and it was so anyway, they great. got it on in the morning. Yeah. And they have a little conversation here where Jamie brings up the phrase greased lightning. What was he talking about? Greased lightning. Um, well, uh, I think that we can assume that it was some pretty slippery sex. Because, right, because she said something about lube afterwards. Yes. So they were having this, which, I mean, we know a lot about Jamie. And one of the things that we know um, is that he's an expert bean flicker. So presumably Claire is always herself greased lightning um, when time comes for them to 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 knock boots so cardi b approved cardi b approved um okay wait ass pussy pussy <laughs> wait that part's fine pushy arse 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 pushy then i was sean connery i don't know what happened there okay anyway uh yeah so he says something about he's grease lightning and she's like what um did i say that to you uh and then he's like yes uh you've used the turn of phrase so i just went ahead and and applied it to my near neil starboard style he took a turn of phrase and applied it to himself and Um, only himself and only himself but neil no one calls you johnny dong Dude, that's coming back hard in this episode. I wrote like two jokes about it. Oh, about man. Johnny Dong? Johnny Dong? No, no, because hard. nobody calls him Johnny Dong. Oh, and um, nobody. I love you, Jamie, but nobody calls you Grease Lightning. Also, no. for those of you who are now going go 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 go, this pretty obviously. I, I we haven't even hit the Boston Tea Party yet, or maybe we have hit the Boston Tea Party, but only recently. Um, just now, Grease, like last episode. Mm. Right. Okay. The movie Grease has not yet been made. Um. I know in Claire's timeline. <laughs> oh, I was, I mean, I was, I was talking about their timeline, but yes, also in Claire's timeline, John Travolta is not a thing yet. Yeah. 
He might be just born when Claire touches that rock for the last time. Or maybe it's not the last time. I don't know. Fun fact. Did you know that John Travolta adopted the dog that Jamie Lee Curtis was holding during the In Memoriam segment of the Oscars? I saw that online today. Yep. Very nice. I saw that Mac and Cheese today. is the dog's name. Mac and Cheese, ladies and gentlemen. Mac and Cheese. The, 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 dog the dog's one name has an and in it. Hyphenated. Mac and Cheese. Mac and Cheese. Mm-hmm. Oh. All right. So they're just <laughs> chatting it out on the bed. Yeah. And we hear some a chewing, some sneezing from downstairs. And for some reason, they were, Outlander is really, really, really making a big deal with the TV show. Of how allergic our red-coated Major McDonald is to cats. So obviously Major McDonald is like staying the night. And they're kind of bummed out. Like maybe he's been there a few days. <laughs> Major McDonald is staying the night. Stay in the night. Ah, 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 ah. Stay in the night. Stay in the night. This is going to be the John Travolta episode apparently. So we find out that he's been hanging out on the ridge. And Claire and Jamie are about ready for him to leave. And I guess today's the day that he's finally leaving. But we, something better happened with this fucking cat allergy because they are milking the fuck out of it. Well, I will say that, um, that the Major Donald McDonald, Donald son of Donald, as um, Ian reminds <laughs> us later, uh, mm-hmm. and Adso rivalry is uh, absolutely book fodder. It is much is made of it. It is a long-standing, okay, um, nuanced relationship with many ups and downs. <gasps> oh my God, do they become friends? No, well, n- no. Um, I was okay. exaggerating a little bit there, but there is uh, there are a couple of very good lotsies if they if they decide to do them. Um, surprisingly I hope so because they important lotsies. Yeah, yeah, they're setting some, them up some some plot related lotsies. Okay, I'm looking forward to Adzo's plot. I can't wait to yeah. see how he fits in to making something happen. Spin because off, it's clear. <laughs> it's clear that yeah, Adzo's world, but it's like a comic. No, anyway, Patty. Okay, so then we see Jamie come downstairs into the parlor and to talk to Fergus. Fergus looks a lot better. He looks a little bit happier. He doesn't look as sad. He's still a little bit haunted, but I think maybe that's just Fergus. And I guess, is Jamie sending him to sell whiskey? I think he's so. Sending him, yeah, he's sending him somewhere with Mr. Bug to sell some stuff. Mm, yeah, mm. I think it's and I think it's whiskey. Because, and he, t- he tells him, he's like building him up a little bit about how he's a born salesman and remember how you used to do this for me. Come on, you can do this. And Fergus is like, yeah, yeah, I see what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me out of here so that I can fucking simmer down now. And uh, Jamie's like, you're right. That is, mm-hmm. you need some time away to get get yourself together <laughs> which is also something that jamie did if you remember with roger after the um uh the the great mohawk misunderstanding of 17 bloody blah um he had him go and survey the land oh no it was after the hanging had him go and survey the mm-hmm. land yes um to like spend time by himself and get his head right. Um, so Jamie, uh, he knows the importance of sending him into the wild to fend for himself. Yep. Work out his feelings with some trees. Um, I loved this scene a lot. I'm telling jokes, but I loved this scene kind of a lot. Part of it is, part of it is that um, Cesar, damn boy, damn boy, 
um, uh, who knows what it may just be really good acting. It might be instinctual, but, uh, it's something that I've rarely seen. You often see people depressed on television. Um, you don't often see people sort of in the aftermath, um, kind of bouncing back, which means a lot to me as a person that, you know, struggles with her mental health and deals with it on a daily basis. Um, you know, sometimes there you're in between, you're not great yet but you're doing a lot better and it's um kind of like the equivalent of your whole self having sprained its ankle like it's Mm. tender Mm. you feel kind of tender all over and that i got a lot of that energy in this one scene um also killing it this season killing it he's doing this season really really good and when he uh says you've saved my life more times than i can count and yeah, good job, Sammy. He does mm. our our pal Sammy Hewen does a couple of really great scenes in this episode when he mm. says, um, mm-hmm. uh, "No, I've just balanced the scales." Oh, right in the feels. Boom. Mm-hmm. So Fergus Fergus has a task and a job to do, and we can we're we're all led to believe he's feeling he's on the mend. Mm. Good goodbye, Fergus. <laughs> See you later, because we got another one of Jamie's sons. To focus on a lot. Mm. Um, that's interesting too. That the Fergus episode was right before the Ian episode. Yeah, I think interesting. So well, and we don't see um, Claire do her surrogate mom thing for Ian in this episode. Um, mm-hmm. But I would bet that we do, since we also see Claire in surrogate mom mode for both fergus and uh marsali in the previous episode mm-hmm. um so i oh, will I, I know we'll see it yeah. yeah i'm guessing it's really nice that they're treating those relationships with the seriousness that they deserve that it's not mm-hmm. like all of a sudden brianna is their only kid no they've got a brood a brood they raise these fuckers they did, they did. right yeah they mm-hmm. did yeah they follow them all over the world you know like that's important <laughs> And um, Mayor McCheese or whatever has fucking showed up with all the guns. <laughs> Sorry. Major Major Donald McDonald, who is allergic. But he was already allergic. He was already there. So the governor sent the guns, right? So the governor, oh. the guns have showed up. And I guess Jamie asked for like 100 and they sent like 20. But they're all out there doing shooting practice to make sure that all the rifles are straight and everything. And seems to be okay. There's this moment, and I have to, I have to ask whether or not this is addressed in the book. Are Roger you about, and Bree are the Roger thing. Yeah. Yes. Roger and Bree are standing next to each other. You see them both kind of shoot at the same time, and Roger's like, "I hit it," and you see Bree kind of look at it, and she's like, "Yeah." And I'm like, "Did did she do it?" And then tell him he didn't. Um, I don't think so. Uh, okay. My impression. <laughs> is that what I okay so I'm not even sure that that was intentional in the way that it played because I had the same reaction only I thought it was Brianna being like yeah so (laughs) kind of like yeah congratulations one out of 100 I'm really happy for you Roger but she didn't want to totally burst his bubble um but really I think it's shortly on the heels of this we get a scene between Brianna and Jamie where she's telling him about the trail of tears um uh, which is another really well played scene. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like all the ingredients in this episode are really good, and they they it just kind of don't totally cohere. It doesn't um, gel. Yeah, not, it's, it's the like balance a, is like kind of off. 
like a charcuterie mm-hmm. board that wasn't organized the right way. All the right stuff. It's all very fancy, but it just doesn't pair well together. It just feels like there's a there are things that they are trying to bring together that never meet. Yeah. It's like to it's like a charcuterie board, only one of the cheeses is great yeah. and one of the cheeses is a spreadable cheese, but there's no spreader. And the Ooh. other cheeses are just like there and they're not as good. They're they're it's like it's like you know, no downing on this, but I don't like it on a charcuterie board. It's like an American basic cheddar. And it's like, you know, I don't really, to me, that doesn't have a place the, on a charcuterie the board. The edges are good. starting to kind of change color. Yeah. Ooh, it's drying out. Or it's, I will, however, yeah. say that in the meat-centric half of the charcuterie board, the sausage is all still really hot. Yes, the sausage is good, and we get to see some of it. Well, That's not great. really. Yeah. Fucking more dick on TV, please. Okay. Please. Always. Let me get off my soapbox. All right, so they're having the target practice, and uh, fucking Sam, sorry, Jamie, can tell that something's wrong with Brianna. She seems really sad, and usually shooting guns is her favorite activity. And she's Um, kind of, like, wandering away from the group, right? mm. Yeah. Also, Ian is visibly upset by um, uh, uh, McDonald um, sort of carelessly trots out a, a name that is not uh chief i'm now see i'm double checking so that i'm not a regular old major mcdonald chief bird who sings chief in bird the who sings in the morning um mm-hmm. uh who he's talking about in a pretty condescending way um and mm-hmm. ian is visibly like why is offended. his name so and yeah and then, <laughs> what was it that ian said to him about the fucking um, sick burn he said when after ian corrects him because he says bird who sings in the evening or something right ian corrects mm-hmm. him and mcdonald was like well something shitty about the names of mispronounced ian goes oh yeah their names are really strange donald son of donald <laughs> which is what donald <laughs> mcdonald means um, and you see everybody kind of stop and go <laughs> he's like fair right fair point sick burn that moment sick was burn, great. Ian. sick burn fuck ian. Yeah, yeah dude good job um <laughs> But there are some comments about how the Indians maybe should just stick with their bows and how um, uh, they should be excited about the guns because it's obviously so superior to their primitive weaponry. Um, and then obviously we're also, it's, this is all still happening in the context of Ian um, butting heads with Jamie about the way that they should be interacting with the Mohawk and the Cherokee. Um, so it's it's pretty fraught and you can tell that Jamie ever the interpersonal wizard truly that's not facetious he he's really very is. good at like he's really good at picking up on people's emotions and understanding the currents that are which is why he knew that something was up with Ian in the last episode right like he's very good at picking up on when something's not quite right so like mm-hmm. me a bumpkin thought that Brianna was just like yeah Roger sure you hit the target once congratulations big fella um Whereas Jamie, non-bumpkin, senses that it's something else. And it turns out, we'll, we'll get more about why Ian is upset later, but it turns out that he is able to talk to Brianna about why she's troubled. And she lays it out more specifically for Jamie here. She explains the trail of tears to him. She gives him a timeline. And you can see that he is visibly shocked and disturbed and saddened and she's like there's nothing we can do to change it this is gonna happen no matter i mean who wins it's gonna happen 
Yeah. And so, oh God. And Jamie, it really, you know, to Sam Hewen's credit, this is a great reactive moment for him because it is very quiet and very subtle, but he is affected. Yeah, you can see, it's like through the whole episode coming on the heels of the last two, you can see all of the individual wrinkles that are complicating an already complicated situation for him, right? There's Ian's relationship to his own experience and to his life among the Mohawk and to his relationship to um, his former wife. That's complicating things based on how he sees it because now Jamie sees, if Ian sees them as family, then they're also Jamie's family. So that's part of it. Um, How the people that he's meeting who are loyalists are not all terrible people. A lot of them are also Scotsmen. Some of them presumably live on the ridge. That's mm-hmm. complicated. And you can see all of these layers adding up. It's not as simple as I just have to stay a loyalist until I become a rebel and figure out when that point is. It's way more complicated than that. And Sam, I think, is doing a very good job of underlining that without ever hitting us over the head with it. You can see that if anybody on the planet is equipped to keep all of, to keep all of these balls in the air, it's, it's (laughs) Jamie Fraser, master ball juggler slash bean flicker. Bean flicker. Um, (laughs) But but he, um, even he can't be all things to all people at once. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and this is an indication of that. He doesn't overplay it, but you can see he's like, Jesus Christ. Would somebody? Would someone just give me one cut and dry decision to make? Just one, any one. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, I gotta go fuck my wife. You know, <laughs> I like that. Um, and I, 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 you know, this is. I, I do like the way that the story is handling the complicatedness of the American history with this as well, right? Approaching mm-hmm. this and looking at how, like, yeah, like, sure, in our mythos of American uh, history, we have this good guys versus bad guys situation, but it wasn't that. It was, like, we're both bad guys, right? Just people. (laughs) Yeah, just people trying to fucking figure it out, and, you know, that led still led to a lot of heartache and and damage. I don't know. It's very, I like, I'm enjoying the complicatedness of it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So now Jamie has this new information, and... He's got to figure it out for himself. And then the next thing we see is he and Ian taking the guns to the Cherokee, uh, to the um, uh, tribe nearby, Chief Chief Bird Who Sings in the Morning's group, right? You've met, and we've met Chief Bird Who Sings in the Morning before. I think they just called him Chief Bird, and for a while I yes. thought they were saying Chief Bard, but it's Chief Bird. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Played by Glenn they, Gould, who's very good in this episode. He's mm. amazing. They get out of the wagon. And it takes them 30 minutes to unload all their personal weapon. Because you can't come on to their land with like a knife or a, or a pistol. you got to put everything in a box, right? And it literally, like you see Jamie get a knife out of his fucking shoe and Ian's getting something out of his thing. And then Ian turns around and pulls out a hatchet and puts it in there. And it's like, <laughs> I guess that really does come back to be truly important later, though. It does. So... They t- they spend a moment on it. They luxuriate upon it. Let's Beyond just the gag, because I find that mm-hmm. to be a gag. It is kind of a gag. It's it's like overplayed. But it's almost. more of a gag later. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, it's more of a gag than not so much a gag. It's like a gag. Gag. Okay. <laughs> 
So they get oh, there. I, you and... don't watch Drag Race. Sorry, it's a surprise. Oh, yeah. got it, got it, got it. I was like, I was like, I knew it was a Drag Race reference, but I was like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> surprise! It's a surprise. Okay. okay. Guess who's there? Uh, his his googly eye uh, future wife. No. No. Oh. His brother. And I, we've seen this actor before when we, when Roger was with the Mohawk, and his name, his uh, character's name is Kaharatan, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is the uh, member of the Mohawk tribe that really was like the closest thing to Ian's brother. Oh, so they're very close, and in fact, they call each other false brother. Oh, I like that. Well, in a bad way, in a scary way. No. It's it's more nuanced than that. Okay. (laughs) It's his presence. You can see Ian. John Bell's really good in this episode, too. You can see him start to get tense when he looks at a horse and he notices that um, he notices this decoration on the horse, which he says is Mohawk, not Cherokee. And then he sees Caraton um, and is visibly upset. And this is the context in which we start to get the rest of the flashback. Because the episode opens with that really beautiful flashback of the ceremony. But now Ian is prepared to tell Jamie what he alluded to with Brianna in the previous season. When he has his his, uh, scary death tea. Yeah, Um, yeah. And we get this extended flashback. I think it might... Julie, feel free to disagree. I think it might be easiest since from here on out in the episode, we alternate between the past and the present. It might be easiest to just do Ian's flashback and then move on Agreed. to what happens. Cool. Okay. So take us away, flashback queen. So I mm. think we see that Ian is, after he's seen Kaharatan and the other Mohawk, he's visibly shaken and he ta- I think he ends up in... Um, a structure with Jamie where he's trying to like explain to him why he was so visibly surprised, upset, everything. And Mm -hmm. so that's the context for here it is. He's going to lay it out. And so we go back to, let's see what it says. It's him learning the language and him having a hard time with it. And there's Mm -hmm. the, the girl that we saw in the beginning is trying to help him learn how to say words correctly. And they fall for each other. Yeah, And he can't say, he even says this, he can't say her name correctly, so he just calls her Emily and says that she thinks it's hilarious. <laughs> um, we also, I think, meet her briefly when Ian actually goes to the Mohawk because she, and certainly this is very clear in the book, she is part of the reason that he opts to stay because he hits it off with this young woman. Um, but we get to watch their connection sort of deepen and there's a... Uh, a moment where um, he's walking with Kaharatan and um, and Kaharatan tells him that the women choose their partners mm. in, the, in the Mohawk Nation. The women choose. Um, and then he sort of taps at Ian's neck where Ian is wearing this wolf stone that we see in this flashback that we see Emily give him. Um, so and that is an indication that they are married. There's also a cuff, a lot of very important pivotal accessories in this episode. Yes, it's a it's an accessories heavy episode. So she has carved this wolf pendant for him uh, out of river stone, mm-hmm. and he's wearing it. So Kaharatan's like, she chose you, dude. So you guys are together now. And then we go to their 
home and we get a very, very hot sex scene with John Bell. Yes. Very hot. Oh. Yes. Like smoke a meter hot. Like they are in true she gives him this beautiful beaded bracelet, like a cuff bracelet, and we'll see it later. And she like, this is to commemorate what I'm about to do to you when I rock your world. <laughs> and then they just have a really hot sex scene. Beautiful. But there, there's also a deeper connection. Like these two people really, really like each other, love each mm. other. When, and you can feel that. It's, I'm, getting, um, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Female gaze, friends. It's, it's all female gaze. It's all about the experience um Mm. which sometimes outlander sex scenes are hot because they're like look at the beautiful bodies of these hot people but the best ones are all about sort of creating this experience and mood like the fireplace one right our our Mm. old standby with the knife that is an experience that's what makes that hot and this is like it's so simple there's no like you know, they're not diving into the Kama Sutra here. Like, it's very simple, but it's really hot. Um, and they're both really great in it, too. You can tell, like Julie said, that they're connected very intimately. Mm. <laughs> intimately and intimately. Mm. Then we get a little bit of a flash forward to her while she's pregnant with their child. And by this point, she's, mm, I'm going to say, at least five or six months along because she's visibly pregnant. Yes. Mm. And, uh, that's uh, that's a long time for what's about to happen. So you see Ian lovingly stroking her belly, like all this stuff, and then all of a sudden, that uh, one of the nights she starts, she's starting to experience a great deal of pain, and he wakes up and pulls the blankets back, and there's blood everywhere, oh. and he starts freaking out and runs out of their home to gather the rest of everyone, and in one of the coolest fucking, it's. I wish that this happened whenever I didn't feel good. All the aunties and mamas come together and go get her and take her somewhere else where it's just women only. Uh. We're going to help her as much as we can, and we cannot have this energy of these men wandering around not being able to do anything about it in our faces. Get them out of here. And Ian is not great with it, right? He wants to be with her. And he can't. So they, is it Kahertan that tells him all you can do? Or was it the um, kind of the medicine man guy that we see later? Mm-hmm. Was it him that told him all you can do is I'm go into sure. the woods and pray? But the men mm-hmm. basically say, listen, dude, this is not, this is not, not how you. we do it. Go, if you want to go help, go pray. And he does. And he prays to both his God, we'll say the Scottish God, right? The the Christian God and um, to the Mohawk gods, um, which again, he I think specifically is a really nice prays touch. to Mary too, which I thought was yes. a nice touch. Yes. Um, and then the weirdest thing happens. He's sitting under this tree and a statue of the Virgin Mary <laughs> falls from the tree slowly in slow motion and hits him on top of his little braid and shatters. Um, Oh my God. Little cameo, I, little cameo in the episode I for am, Mary the Falling Statue. Shout out, girl! I am, I am listening so intently about what's happening, and then I'm like, and then a statue shows up. What's no, going no, on, motherfucker? No. Um, <laughs> sorry, bro. What was that doing uh, there? <laughs> it's um, it, another really great scene for John Bell. 
Um, I forgot to tell one of the really good hot piss scenes in the montage leading up to this was the gathering the of the tribe where they like hang out and sing and stuff. Yeah. So back up a little bit before the true yeah. sadness when he's really coming to be part of this Mohawk family. Mm. You can tell and they're all hanging he feels out. like he's a little embarrassed, but he mm-hmm. feels like part of the family and almost everyone in the room you can tell that they also regard him. They're going out of their way to make him feel welcome and to encourage him to participate, which he does. He There's a language barrier, so he can't tell the stories that he would normally tell. There's a, They um, want him a, to tell the story of Galus. Yeah, they want him to tell a story of the Bakra. And uh, and he can't. He says he doesn't have the words um, to, t- to tell it in Mohawk. And also, they're very into the story, but it is a story of when Ian was sexually assaulted, so maybe not so much. Um, but uh, Emily makes them give him alcohol because she says he tells better stories when he's drunk. When he's drunk. Give it to him. <laughs> give it to him. Give it to him. Um, and then instead he sings. He sings a, a very lovely folk song. Um, and John Aww. Bell has a lovely voice. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. So uh, but we there's do one face, see. and I think it's Emily's mother, who you, there's something on her face where she's like, I don't know. I don't know about this. Um, yeah. She has oh. reservations, let's say. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. So, oh no! Fast forward. The sad event is that Emily miscarries. Mm. Um, it's terrible. But then, the as the flashback goes on, we see that she recovers, and they're still working through it together, and they love each other. And there's a, another beautiful moment down by the stream, and he um also he kisses Ian's, her. We hear Ian recounting all of this. Um, and then he tells us, by us, I mean Jamie, he tells Jamie, and we and we overhear it because we're eavesdropping through the power of television, that mm-hmm. um, she got with child again because uh, I was at least good at that part, which is a devastating piece of writing, where he's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm good at knocking him up, apparently, and it's just everything else that I'm bad at, heartbreaking. Um, but it is also possible to read that line of, as Ian saying that he is good at fucking. Mm-hmm. And and I'm gonna hope for him that it's both because this is a depressing turn oh, of events. No. Oh no! Um, so she's by, by the, the river. river. He kisses her and then looks down, and you see blood in the water. And then she looks down, and it's starts screaming. It's really um, she loses <sighs> another one. Oh shit! Yeah, and I here's where I want to shout out the woman who plays Emily, um, whose name is Morgan Holmstrom. Um, I will talk about this more later, but the biggest bone I have to pick with this episode is they, um, make some narrative decisions that sort of erase the whole point. Uh, and she is given pretty much less to do than anybody else, including the woman who plays her mother. (laughs) Um, and I don't know why they really they treat her like a plot point, and it's too bad because this the actress who plays her is great throughout, but in that scene especially, the this primal sound that comes out of her mouth when she realizes that she's miscarrying and is incredibly upsetting. Like the, oh, oh, I'm getting kind of visceral. It's visceral. I didn't even see it, and I'm feeling it. Like I could, I yeah. can feel like how devastating that moment must have been. Shout and, out to Morgan Holmstrom, you killed it. Oh, Thanks, Morgan. Wow. You were very good at acting. You did. <laughs> 
Uh, uh, oh. oh, that was not a oh. joke. Um, oh. Sorry. Now I feel like I underlined it. But in case that was not me making a joke about miscarriage, that was Morgan Holmstrom did an incredibly good job. You did a very good job. Yes, uh, thank you. Even the person who didn't watch it is getting chills from the description yeah. of what you did. So well done. So <laughs> then Emily's mom is like, come with me, Wolf's brother. And she takes him out into the woods with a pack and is like, here's food for three days, deuces. Get out. What the fuck? And he's like, what? And she's like, that sometimes the spirit, and we believe, as in the Mohawk believe, we believe that the spirits fight each other and it's only when one overcomes another that a woman can have a child. And your spirits are not, basically your spirits aren't compatible. You got to go. She's got to get with somebody else in order to have a kid. And, and she makes the distinction that... He's he is still Mohawk. He is forever a part of their tribe, um, but his spirit is not Mohawk. Um, mm-hmm. As far as she, and it's obvious to, that Ian um, is both very offended by that and immediately starts to worry that it's true and that this is somehow his fault. Because he didn't stop being Ian Murray and become solely Wolf's brother. I think they do a really nice job of handling that. The doubt Mm -hmm. that Ian feels because he's a spiritual person and he's so invested in both um, his identity as a Scotsman and in his connection with the Mohawk. And um, yeah, John Bell, man. He, uh, He doesn't believe her. He doesn't believe. And does she actually tell him that Emily is with someone else or does he just find that out when he goes back? Okay. So he doesn't believe Emily's mom that Emily, this was Emily's decision. Mm-hmm. So he goes back and there's Emily and she's in her home with Kaharaton and they're together now. Oh, oh, oh ow. I thought oh. that was going to be it. No, I, 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 I wanted to say, oh, deuce, but then I felt like I shouldn't use the joke. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. That's so, f- that's terrible. Boom, there oh. it is. So she. Oh. That's funny. I was actually thinking of a totally different moment. So maybe we'll get to. Oh, we might get deuce deuces. <laughs> well, I already did an oh, shit during the river scene because that was fucking devastating. Oh, yeah. Too. You're right. Yeah. So that's two. So there's this is a this is an episode. Goodness. Anyway, Emily <laughs> has made her choice and she's going to stay with Caraton and it's very hard because you can tell that she is ripping her guts out. But she's like, "Please leave. Get out. Get out." She repeatedly tells him to leave. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, how painful. So he leaves. Goodbye. And we presume that's when he makes his way to Fraser's Ridge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. Oh, so this false brother thing. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, oh. um, so Ian is done with story time. Um, presumably, he's also pretty drunk, but not as drunk as Scotchy Cameron. So, um, so Ian tells Jamie that he's not up to meeting with Chief Bird to hand over the guns because they're going to want to celebrate, and he's not up to celebrate. And Jamie says, "No worries, dude. I got it." Um. So we cut to the next day, and Jamie meets uh, another Scotsman who is also an Indian agent, whose name is, um, 
who Alexander Cameron, Alexander Cameron. Um, but everyone calls him Scotchy and Scotchy, uh, says, Oh, I've heard so much about you bear killer. Let's hang out. Also, I heard a little rumor. You've got some whiskey and Jamie's like, yeah, I do. You want a weed drum? And, um, in true, (laughs) um, that moocher guy at a party fashion, he says, Oh yeah, I'll have one. And then has 12. (laughs) That's not an exaggeration. (laughs) He has 12 drums, 12 wee drums of whiskey and is wasted. Um, what did he say? And this the, is important the joke was, for several reasons. What's after three? He goes, I'll take one jam, two jam. What's after three? And Jamie goes, in your case, 12. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously annoyed. And yeah. then um, Scotchy wants to talk to Jamie. He's making all kinds of in his cups decisions, uh, which you which you get might be something of a pattern with this gentleman. Yeah. Um, and he tries to get Jamie in on illegally buying land from the first nations from the cherokee um not from the mohawk they make a point of saying not from the mohawk because the mohawk would be very mad about it and that would be bad um and jamie's like listen this is in defiance of all of the treaty that like you're gonna no i'm not gonna do this illegal thing and you shouldn't either and cameron's like ah yeah whatever but now your nephew's mohawk buddy is screwing up my plans because if he finds out i'm gonna be in deep shit um and jamie's like yeah 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 you drunk whatever this sucks i want to go home and fuck my wife yeah (laughs) i I just need to go talk to chief birds bird who sings in the morning i don't need to be talking to you like anyway so scotchy sucks be prepared that comes back oh great yeah uh then (laughs) let's what's happening on the ridge more windows what's going being installed? on at Fraser's Ridge? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what's going on. Oh, what? It's Claire and her surgery just giving a few lessons on ether and how it works and experimenting on people. Uh-oh. So she's got Malva in here. She's got Lizzie in here. And she's got Josiah in here. And she's like, look, I got to have people to test this on. So... Lizzie, Josiah, who's going to do it? You just go to sleep. You won't feel anything. It'll be fine. And then we get kind of a weirdly hijinksy scene about Claire testing ether. Did it feel what? that way to you too, Allison? Well, what the fuck? Sort of, but I'm um but, but this is a scene from the book. So I was prepared for it. And I feel like maybe okay. my read on it tonally is different from yours because of the book the bick of it all um but yeah basically claire needs to give malva her official apprentice now um some experience testing ether because they're going to put josiah and kezi under to deal with i'm assuming it's their um tonsils right because Mm. they're she's telling you're gonna go under and that way we're not going to have to anyway she basically she needs Mm -hmm. to practice using ether so that she can and allowing melva to administer it so that she can focus on the surgery otherwise there's no there's no medical reason to have the ether the point is to make it so that she can do these things that would be dangerous um so she she just decided to make malva her anesthesiologist yes so she's teaching malva how to administer uh ether exactly my thoughts janine See that uh, face? Uh, it's maybe not I, this, the best plan, um, ooh, but you can understand colonial, the reasoning behind yeah. it. 
I can, but um, a colonial anesthesiologist doesn't sound like a no, good time No, that's a to terrible me. profession. <laughs> that sounds um, so fucking scary. Oh, uh, There's also uh, like a little standoff where Malva, Josiah says he's going to go first. And Malva says, oh, wow, you're very brave. And Lizzie's like, yes, brave. You're brave, Josiah. And is very territorial about Josiah and Malva, who may or may not be flirting with Josiah. So that's I think Malva just does thing. that. That's kind of it's her just her default way of talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they test it out. Lizzie, yeah. Lizzie volunteers to go first though, so she can show I'm a bad bitch. <laughs> and she, Respect. she, she goes is. under and Claire's all like, everybody's marveling on it. Like Josiah's like, whoa, what the fuck? And Malva's like, this is cool and kind of scary. And Claire's like, hold on. And she reaches over, grabs her scalpel, picks up Lizzie's hand and cuts her finger. And Lizzie doesn't respond at all. And everyone's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Fucking Josiah God. wakes up and is like, or Lizzie wakes up and she's like, okay, when are you going to start? I'm ready. And Josiah is like, I want to try. <laughs> That's um, funny. So they put him over and then Lizzie asks, where does the soul go? Oh. And Claire is weirdly blasé about it. Um, weirdly for her. Like it's, it seemed to me, I'm curious what you think, Julie. It seemed to me like kind of an off character beat. She's like, oh, they're not dead. It's just, you know, it stays where it is. They're asleep. Yeah, she just goes, the soul stays with the body. It's just like they're asleep. Like she was kind of in that. Like, yeah. When it's very, I mean, you can tell that it's different. You can tell that it's different. Um, down to what she describes to Malva as a vibration in the flesh that you can feel before they start to wake up, um, which is how she's supposed to know when to administer more ether. Um, so yeah, because, you know, that's – she knows to give them more when their skin starts bumping. Like, it's what? It's really weird. Um, the good old Josiah, days were the worst old days. Jesus. But Josiah wakes up and is like, okay, I'm ready. And then they all have a good chuckle. Ha, 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 ha. Ether. So – Put that in your little, put that little feather in your hat, because sure, that's coming back. I'm so worried about the potential of an opium den at the fucking ridge, like, because Claire's still ething herself. Yeah, right? we haven't seen it in a minute, but we can presume that she is occasionally still taking yeah. a we we dram of her own. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. One one becomes two becomes twelve kind of situation. Yeah, and. There's also another, maybe we can just do this, knock this one out really quick. There's another scene where Malva is asking about the book um, that Claire keeps and is still sort of cavalierly <laughs> leaving just out leaving the around. place. Just leaving around. Even though it is very dangerous um, because there are actively people around her who think she's a witch. Jesus. <laughs> like, as evidenced by the last episode, like very recently. Um, so maybe not the best thing. Uh, but Malva says, oh, well, you know, my brother thinks it's spells and now I can tell him it's not spells. Um, but I do find it enchanting or enthralling or whatever it is she says. Um, so Malva is very much in um, in med student mode with Claire. Ugh. Everyone, is someone going to get put on the stake this season? I'm nervous about that, too. I'm nervous about the opium den, and I'm nervous about another Galus' situation. Well, Malva just seems 
there's just that actress. What's her name? Please look her up. I do this every time. She is so she's so good at walking this very good. strange line. It's like so Jessica subtle and thank you, Jessica Reynolds. I think I mentioned her last time. I looked her name up when I was talking yeah. with Jen. She just rides this line that's very specific and difficult. So, but I still. She's still giving me vibes like, no. Yeah. She's doing a really, really good job of making it clear that there's something. I'm trying to, I want to make sure that I'm not being spoilery. There's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Like something is not right with her and mm-hmm. the way that she's processing the world without leaning into some weird evil young woman thing. Like, it's yes. never that. It's unsettling, but she's not playing a villain. Because this, I mean, this mm-hmm. is a, what, 15-year-old girl, maybe 16? She's very young, and she's very curious and obviously very intelligent. And those things are things that people often find suspicious in women, um, which mm. is gross and the way up. of the world. And still right, true. See? I don't want to feel those things, but this actress is doing that perfect thing where it's just pushing it right, right over the, the like. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So she's making us feel about her the way that other people feel about Claire. That's exactly. what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's very cool. She's doing a really, really good job. We go back to the Cherokee and Ian has, you know, told Jamie all this stuff. And Jamie, also, I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about how deep Sam Hewen's reactions are to all this. Because if you remember, he too has had a daughter miscarry. We don't find out it's a daughter that um, Ian's child was a daughter until later. But so you're seeing Sam like go through all this shit, right? Mm. And obviously Ian's going through it. He comes out and he sees Kaharaton and he's, he can't handle it. And he's runs at Caraton and starts trying to fight him and they get into a fight and there's a knife that comes out. Uh oh. And we realize that it's Scotchy because he is just the worst. And he brought a knife with him when he wasn't supposed to, because remember uh. the whole getting rid of all your gear? Yeah. And he pulls Caraton's hair back and basically puts the knife to his throat and starts making all these terrible just ugh, God insults. He's hammered. He's drunk and he's saying all this stupid shit about the Mohawk and it's just bad. And how does it turn into the duel? What is that? What happens there? What? Um, Hold on. Yeah, well, uh, Kaharatan is understandably uh, very upset um, and uh, Scotchy essentially tries to kick him out and um, Kaharatan is not having it. So then scotchy challenges him to a duel um and everybody is like listen this guy's out of line you don't have to do this and kaharatan's like no he insulted me i'm gonna of course i'm gonna do this he insulted me um which is bad <laughs> that's bad it's a very bad situation for everyone um mm-hmm. and it obviously puts ian into kind of a state so jamie has pulled him off of out of the fight and sort of sends him away to cool down. And then we get this scene that Julie was just setting up between the two of them. Um, and it's, Jamie and Ian. Beautiful. It's so good. Mm. This a scene. Se- it's a season highlight for me so far. It's way up there. 
this scene is so great. So Ian talks about how there's two things inside him and how he can be both and how when he when he left the mohawk he never saw his child he never saw her he she he doesn't know how she was buried like all these things that have been going through his mind all this time and she wasn't and, baptized and she I wasn't mean, baptized so obviously he still got that right yeah mm-hmm. so he's still working this dual reality and he gave her a name he named her in his mind Isabel. Isabel. Yeah. The, the Gaelic version of Isabel. And mm. he's talking about it, and you can just see that he's, he's been consumed with thinking about this. And this is when Sam Hewen has his greatest, like, he's the best dad when somebody's down. He just sits down and tells Ian all about Faith. Their daughter that miscarried in Paris. He tells her the whole thing. He tells Ian the whole thing. And so Ian all of a sudden understands that he and Jamie share this terrible thing. And it's, oh, God, it's such a good scene. Allison, please, more words. Um, I'm having one of those moments where I can't tell whether a thing I'm remembering is just a book thing or if it also happened in the show because, of course, now I picture the actors when I'm thinking about the book. So I think that this happened on the show. Um, someone will find us on Twitter and tell us either way. Uh, and also I'll just check after we're done recording. But um, Brianna tells Ian when he is um, suicidal, uh, she tells Ian about Frank and that Frank will look out for his dad. No, not his dad, for his whoever he was. I mean, maybe that was also his kid. I don't remember. But basically Brianna has already said, Frank, listen, my dad is up there and my dad will um, take care of the people that you grieve and the people that you miss. Um, And uh, here, Jamie does the same thing. And he says, he tells him about Faith, that he also didn't get to see him, and he understands what that pain is. But now they're going to pray, and they're going to tell Faith to go look for Isabel. um, Because... He, God, I wish I could quote it directly, but it's something to the effect of God gives us a life and we live our life. And at the end of it, we go home to him and there's no guarantee on how long the first part will be basically saying she was born and she lived. And so now she's in this other place and we all, we all who are still here, we're also going to that place. It's just that we're staying for longer than she did. Um, Mm. And it's really... it's very easy to, I think to overplay really juicy emotional moments like that. And, um, and they both he doesn't do, a really do that good job. Neither this of them scene was so good, really subtle. Um, and I mean, I'm not a religious person and I found it very moving. Uh, mm-hmm. it's a really, really, really good scene. Mm. And it obviously gets Ian's brain, right? Um, and you, I, you'd hope that he would have more time to process his feelings before having to make amends with someone who he feels betrayed him. Um, but no, but he, <laughs> but no, there's no time for that because there's about to be a duel. Got to be um, a duel. Just, just walks through toxic masculinity, just killing time again. Oh, yeah. God. So he uh, walks up to uh, Kahatan and gives him Jamie's pistol, and says essentially, "There's no." better weapon out there um if you're gonna do this you should have a fighting chance 
He shouldn't just be with a bow and arrow. Um, and Kayatan says, why would you do this for me? Um, and Ian is just being a mensch and thinking mm-hmm. of not only, oh, he also, this is also um, when he, fi- oh, that's why he flips out. He flips out because he finds out they had a son. That's oh, why. Of course. Um, so he finds out yeah. that Kayatan and Emily have had a child. Um, yeah. And he loses his That mind. was what and the so, fight was. Right. Yeah, because yes, I was, that was, what I was like, where'd that come from? But okay. Yeah. Because then because he's, because he's feeling the, the, uh, his uncle, the other the, person, the, like the yeah. medicine man that was traveled with the Mohawk, told him. Sorry, we forgot that uh, part. But yeah, yeah, so Emily had a son with Kayatan. Which, yes. which then Ian's gonna, Ian's feeling right. Yeah, so that the was trail, the fight. but the trail, but also the like probably the inadequacy of like feeling. Oh like yeah, it, it was his fault. Shame, so much compl- grief, yeah. rage. Oh, oh yeah. shit! So, this is terrible. Um, oh my god, he, he is going through he, it. But he's but he's on the mend because he walks he's over to Menton and gives him the gun and says you should have a fighting chance because oh. Emily needs you and this kid needs you. Um, I have to mention here the difference between the Cherokee costumes and the Mohawk <sighs> costumes are incredible. Incredible. Cool. The detail invested in them, the just the subtle differences in how the things are worn or like the kind of structures and shapes that they make. It's so great. And Kaharatan in particular in this scene is wearing, as we've seen in the past, uh, one of those coats, right? And he's yeah. tricked it out. He has a whole skunk pelt over cool. his right shoulder, and it looks so bitchin'. I am not, like, it looks yeah. so good. He looks so great. The, the costumes in this episode, and as Allison mm. said, the accessories, very heavy in this episode. Important accessories, this, yeah. So good. I just had to mention it there because this is where we see the full skunk. Well, and it matters because the accessory comes back right now. So Kaharatan thanks him and then hands him um, uh, a weapon that he was going to hit Scotchy with earlier. Um, It's not a gun or a knife. It's uh, like a club, a a carved club, some sort of club. It's really pretty. Hands Mm -hmm. that to him and then also takes off a very familiar cuff that he's been wearing around his arm which we see is just like the one that Ian um, got from Emily and gave back to her when he, when she tells him to leave. Um, Mm. And he asks him to hold it and says, if I die, you have to take care of them. Um, And it is obviously very affecting for Ian, but he takes it. And in particular, because it's important to the plot, um, takes this sort of, uh, I don't know, cudgel, whatever this thing, but this weapon that um, Karatom was carrying. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's when we have our duel. We have this is where I'd make a Hamilton joke if either of you actually cared about Hamilton. Um, I love Hamilton. I oh. watched this. I like. I watched this over this. I mean, right. There was a whole thing. I love. In Hamilton. that case, Scotchy looks at him and says, "Look into the sky in the fire. Some the courage you require." And then count. Um, but they, but Jamie basically says, "You're gonna turn. You're gonna are serious. Are you both really gonna go through with this? You idiots!" Is the subtext? Dumb dumbs. <laughs> I will not yield. It's like, oh, oh no. fuck. Okay, so you're gonna walk <laughs> ten paces and then you're gonna turn, and I will count, and you can. That's when you'll turn. Yeah. And in a surprise to no one, Scotchy turns around a little bit early. Yeah. But but guess what happens? Ian, because because Ian Murray 
is a very is a very good it's, he gets it from his mother he's a very good judge of character and he is also mm. extremely suspicious both qualities that he gets from his mother uh so he sees him turn and he sees him raise his gun and he throws the weapon that Kaharatan gave him and knocks the gun so that it misfires which is a dangerous thing to do he could have hit somebody else that would have been very bad but but nobody that we know of probably just travels a Some very long way somewhere one of the many windows in the big house is shattered um jesus uh and stops him from murdering this man um yeah. Kaharatan. Mm-hmm. and then Kaharatan, jamie says Kaharatan, you can't fire at will he's surrendered his right to have you wait and um scotchy is begging for his life like a drunk asshole Terrible like i didn't mean it i'm shit. a friend of the indians please help me um and Kaharatan shoots into the air scares the shit out of scotchy so yeah right um okay okay yeah. okay that so was a scary Ian moment managed to mend some fences address some trauma it's good shit uh God. we forgot one one very specific thing that needs to be mentioned before we leave right. the the cherokee area is that jamie takes chief oh, bird yes. sings in the morning aside to be like hi um I don't want to tell you too much, but I want to tell you that I have a wife that sees things in her dreams. The women in my family all have the sight, basically. My wife's, my wife and my daughter have both seen this thing, and I want to warn you about it. And he tells them about the Trail of Tears. Um, and Chief Bird, at the end of it, is like, uh, Why'd you tell me? What, what am I going to do about it? If I can't change it, why... Like, oh, no, first he says, it's a good thing you brought me these guns. And Jamie's like, no, 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 no. 20, not going to be enough. 20 muskets, not going to do a thing against 20,000. That's, nope. You you can't fight it. It is going to happen. There are two, it's two, you will not be able to fight back. And that's when Bird's like, well, then why did you tell me this? What's the point? I'm just going to be sad. Just going to be really sad. <laughs> um, and Jamie says, well, no, but you can tell your sons. Um, and maybe is Jamie responsible for Otter Tooth, because if they're going to tell their sons all through time, oh Otter Tooth, and then somebody Jesus. comes back from the future. Remember the Native American guy that comes back from the '60s to start and try? Yeah, I remember Otter Tooth. So did Jamie accidentally start that? Like, is no. he the one? Okay, because because Otter Tooth is already is dead, and he learns about mm-hmm. it in the '60s. Right. Right, like he learns about it because he sat in an American history class. Oh, yeah. Okay, then yeah. never mind. Um, you know, or because, or he learned about it from his parents or from other people mm-hmm. on. I mean, I don't know if whether or not he lives on a reservation, but people around him. Um, mm-hmm. and this, and he's part of a whole group too. Anyway, um, but that is an interesting. My, my brain kind of melted for a minute trying to figure out. Yeah, that. I was like, I was like, yeah, oh, like, dude, did he see? That go through? Yeah. But he says, listen, you, you can't fight back, but maybe your people can hide when it starts. Now you'll know if you hear this general's name, um, it's in roughly 60 years, you'll know and maybe they can hide and, and wait it out and survive. Um, and that's like God, all he terrible. can do. It's really, it's, yeah, it's rough. Um but the costumes Fuck. are beautiful. <laughs> They're so good. Just gorgeous. Uh, 
And then the final thing that we see is we go back to the ridge and fucking Lizzie's talking to Kezi now about the ether nap. And and there's more Malva's, flirting. There's more flirting. And then Malva's in the surgery with Claire and there this is when they're talking about the grimoire. Oh, yeah, talking or, sorry, about the her notebook. And then we see Jamie <laughs> the <Dr>. come home. <laughs> we see we see Jamie come home and Claire's like, Hey, 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 can you can you just keep an eye on this? And leaves her surgery with all of her shit, including that book in it, with just Malva there. Oh no. What's it gonna In happen? Claire's defense, she has no reason to think that this You're right. Teenager who is uh, suddenly obsessed with medicine, something she's been dying. Like I mean, this is Marsali erasure to pretend like Marsali wasn't also fulfilling this function. But um, I know, why she, wasn't she there? But Claire clearly likes teaching and passing on her knowledge so she's very excited about malva's interest and she says malva can you clean up she's basically like can you close shop while i go like but my, my husband is <laughs> because the last time you'll if you recall the last time that jamie went to the cherokee he came home and was like oh my god i gotta fuck my wife um because of the two ladies two ladies yeah. so um she's like wait he's coming back from cherokee i think that means that i get to have a lot of sex again Peace out. Just make sure to lock up when you're done. And she runs she out just to meet runs Jamie. Runs to the stable. <laughs> and Jamie's like, "Oh, Claire, I'm really tired, but I'm not that tired." And they're getting ready to have some good old fashioned barn sex. And it felt a little forced for a minute because I didn't know how it was gonna resolve there. And I was like, "Oh, okay, fine. She wants to have sex. Let's do it. Fine." And then we see them start to get down. Camera pulls back. Guess who's sneaking a little piccolo? Malva? Yep. Oh, that's on her tippy toes. Getting all the that window. dirt. Watching. Oh. She likes to watch. We've already seen you it can't, one time. Oh. You can't tell <laughs> okay. what her response to it is yeah. or what her intentions are. Because again, Jessica Reynolds is so good. Nothing she just face, looks right? interested. She's so, very interested. And this um, is someone who this is a the character is like mid teens, yeah. Like yes, she's child. a teenager. So like, there's a whole bunch of like she's trying to figure out her own self and understand what's going on, and like she might not. Does she have a mother? Is her mother's we have her mother's dead. Her mother's dead. We've only no, heard she a couple tells, of things about her mother. Yeah. She oh, tells okay, Ian yeah. that um, her mother was a witch. Hanged for a witch. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, yeah. Well, the, oh, then the interest in knowing that's the more end, about. End of the episode is Malva just getting a little bit further up under tippy toes to see a little bit more. Yeah. It's a really great shot. Again. Which is a great The shot. direction is really great. She's, we see Claire and Jamie basically fall out of the frame and the camera just okay. shifts just a little bit to the left. And we see her peeking in through a little tiny corner of Oof. the thing. Right. Just enough and then, to make that super creepy. And then hell. it cuts to her watching and you see yeah. her watching and she's like enthralled. Um, but it's not, I mean, it's not innocent. It's yeah. not, the tone of it is, it's incredibly ambiguous, but it's not innocent. It's, it's not like a typical coming of age experience. There's something else. And yeah, then yeah. you see her feet and you see her go further up on her tiptoes, which is just a great way of being like, 
no, she's really interested. Um, and yeah. She's just like really, she wants to see all the angles. You know what I mean? It's um, fascinating. Interesting. It's a great oh. little, the progression is so smart. The filmmaking is oh. really, really smart. Um, so that's what I thought was going to get no shit from you is Malva's watching them. <laughs> I thought, she, I, I, I thought that might've been the moment. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. so intrigued. I don't know how to give a no shit to that. Cause I'm so intrigued by what that fucking means for her. Like she's doing like, so good. Cause we're all like, what the fuck is up with her? Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell like, you what's what happening. You know, I was really worried and maybe this is a good, I don't want to overstay my welcome here, but, um, I, this is maybe a good point to talk about some of my concerns with the Emily storyline. But um, I was very worried about Malva coming into this season because um, the show has not always demonstrated the best track record of allowing the characters that are complicated in Diana Gabaldon's novels to be as complicated um, as they are that complicated on screen, right? Like, mm -hmm. And some of that's just the nature of adapting these massive novels for television. Some things just have to go. But with a character like Malva, it would be so easy for her to be like, oh, hi, look at me. I'm 16 years old, and I really like medicine, Mrs. Fraser, but also I like men, right? And it's not mm -hmm. that. They're doing a really mm -hmm. good job of avoiding that. Um, and a lot of that is due to this young actress being so interesting to watch. Yeah. But... The flip side of that is that it, it it's all the more reason to be frustrated with the way that they tell this Emily story because, mm. the, and they make a point of saying this in the episode, the women choose, right? The women choose who they want to be with and they choose when it's over. Which means in the book, we only get Ian's perspective because we're hearing him tell it, right? Like we're hearing things from his perspective, but here, because we, even though it's all still from his perspective, we see these people and we get to know them more. So Emily, we could see all kinds of, we could see how hard it is for her to make that decision. We could understand why it is mm. that she chooses what she chooses, why she chooses Ian, why she chooses to have him leave, why she chooses Kaheraton. And instead they try to make it a, love triangle and I don't think that's what it is it's not a love triangle it's about mm. what this woman wants for herself and she can love Ian and also want a child and and there are there's a cultural gap there's the issue with the, like for all of his being taken in by the Mohawk there are still their experiences are very different um, it's not a seamless fit as we see in the scene where he sings for them. Like it's not like all of a sudden he becomes a Mohawk. All your white blood is washed away. And now everything is, is hunky dory. It's not that. So it, there are already a lot of issues, potential issues for them to run into. And then it's clear that she desperately wants a family. She desperately wants to have children. And she believes that, if you're not successfully carrying a child to term, it's because the spirit isn't strong enough. And it's mm -hmm. not that Ian's spirit is weak, it's that it's not a Mohawk spirit, is what she believes. Mm. So she makes these choices. And the fact that the show understands enough to realize that it should say the women choose, something we've already been introduced to um, in the man in a bear suit episode, because they make a point of talking about that, right? Like yeah, women yeah. choose who mm -hmm. they get to be with. Rapists are not allowed. 
um, they're immediately cast out. We already understand this about the culture. So there's this, there was this incredibly rich opportunity to actually improve on the books Mm. by letting us understand Emily's choices and by giving her more agency instead of saying she has agency and then making it about whether or not Kaharatan stole Ian's wife. It's just, it's a, it's a real missed opportunity. Um, Mm. I think it's also the flashback is really all the flashback stuff is really good and all the stuff in the present is really good but the way that they were stitched together didn't totally it work didn't for me. feel right it didn't mesh yeah mm. like it didn't it was still um, a good episode but not like a yes. I'm not gonna remember this one as much I'm gonna remember what Ian's, happened to Ian and yes. then that's it mm. yes and you're gonna remember yeah. Malva creeping yeah I'm creepin always thinking about Malva creeping yo every <laughs> minute yeah um. Wow, so this it's is a, a this is this is a ride. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um all of the individual pieces, with the exception of this massive bone that I have to pick with the Emily story. Yeah, all yeah, of yeah. the individual pieces are good. All of the acting is good. Like w- multiple um possible platinum pamplemousses here. Like yeah. really a lot of really really good acting. Um, but it just sort of didn't. There's just something like Malva Christie. Something's just off. Something's yeah. off, baby. Um, I get but it's that. a fine yeah. episode. It's it's not it's it's good. It's just nowhere near as good as it could have been, given how strong the individual elements are. Mm. Yeah. Mm. All right. Do we want to call time here and let him drop off before we do scales and shit? Yeah, I should go because I gotta clean my apartment before uh, my I'm uh, someone's going by to check check the apartment out, so I gotta clean up. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll just do the scales on our own, Janine. Just pop out. Okay. okay. So scales, go. What do we got? Um, let's start with the uh, doing it scale. So um, we've got the we and doing it. That scene got... with Ian and Emily is hot as hell. Yeah. And we get double almost canoodling between Claire and Jamie. Um, mm-hmm. And just... watching. Oh, the watching. Okay. Mm. So what's hot and unsettling mm, oh uh fucking chris cooper an adaptation <laughs> but that's i mean you're right but that's just he's hot but, but malva it's well, i know but okay it's, but so you need episode, it to be more of a negative oh a... okay so you're saying it's not like chris cooper like no one in the story is like chris cooper in adaptation the story Mm-mm. itself is chris cooper in adaptation yes hot but unsettling great well the malva Hundo part P. yeah the malva mm-hmm. part is just unsettling mm-hmm. and then the hot part is emily and ian on their first time doing it at night yes um, which is really, it's, it was just a beautifully really done hot. sex scene. <laughs> so simple, really simple. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, it's just two people who very emotionally connected, enjoying themselves a lot. And the sex acting was extra good because yes. sometimes oh, sex scenes. I know. Yeah. Well, because there's this insistence on sort of, um, paying into the illusion that everybody comes in unison <laughs> in right. all kinds of storytelling. But here I 100% believed it. I believed that like that, that this interaction they were having, they were both focused on each other. 
So yes. of course they were both having an incredibly satisfying sexual experience because they were experiencing it fully themselves, but were laser focused on each other. Um, which up. is something obviously that is often true of the Claire and Jamie sex scenes as well. But mm-hmm. it does feel unique to me. Ha- have we gotten a sex scene like this, like a positive sex scene from characters who aren't either Claire or Jamie? Because like we Marta obviously get Claire and Frank. It oh, was kind of played Marta for laughs, well, but they were having and Marta a good time. And Marta But how could yeah, I forget oh, yes, the bite? Amelia's really pissed at me, but it's a rarity in Outlander. <laughs> you know, like yes. oh, in what, yes, what am I thinking? Roger and Brianna. Although, again, Brianna most of the time maybe not. Um, mm-hmm. They're working on it, folks. They're working on it. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, so that is sex. What about costumery? Costumes. We we simply must talk to somebody who knows more about these traditions because they're yeah. so fascinating. The the specifically to me. I'm interested in the repurposing, the obvious repurposing, but then the incredible uh, accessorizing, just anything, how they reuse everything and make a cohesive look out of all these different elements. It's so beautiful. And I, I want to know more. I thought a lot about, I won't say too much because I don't want to spoil it for you, Julie, because I know you haven't watched yet, but the the opening scene with Ian reminded me a lot of a very wonderful scene in season two of Bridgerton, um, which once you've seen it, we'll discuss because it's, re- but there's, um, it's really nice to see the show and see both those shows honoring this other culture and honoring these rituals as being solemn without exoticizing them right yes like it wasn't like look how weird it wasn't that at all it was it was obvious that everyone there Ian included was having a profound experience and it was a very solemn occasion um really cool really mm-hmm. really cool I just want to um, learn more about it it's and I yeah. don't even know what how I would scale it because to me once again and this we've said this for every episode this season the generalized white people costumes are fine but they're nothing they're nothing compared to the first nations costumes they they are mm-hmm. like I don't even I, I did notice one thing this time Claire's purple vest that she was wearing at the end when she was in the stable that's really mm-hmm. it like the rest of it, I'm all like, Kaharaton skunk pelt, skunk pelt for life. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> well, and Ian's costumes are always fascinating, always now because amazing of that dichotomy and um, the two part thing that uh, that he's living. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there it's are two wolves really well living done. inside him. It's that it's a very good time for that meme to be having the moment that it's having because Ian literally does. It's it's two wolves. That's two there wolves. Are two wolves inside of me. One is a wolf. <laughs> the other one is also and the other a wolf. is another wolf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, um, yeah. And then getting up to get a, I could easily have gotten up to get a drink. Oh yeah. This one, this one, the fragmented nature of it. Yeah. It took, Um, I I jumped out and went back into the story several times. So I don't think that that would have been an issue. And then who's your MVP? Who's your, who's your platinum pamplemousse? Man, I gotta say Ian, I gotta say John Bell. John Bell. Same. Sam Hewen turned in a really great performance. The actor who plays Kaharaton was very good, but John Bell, dude. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, it's he he holds the. Whole it's his episode. episode. Yeah, it's his yeah. episode. Yeah, he's really really good in it. Um, mm-hmm. Good for and good for him, and also good for us for recording Yay! this episode. Uh, Thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podlandercast. You can find us on Twitter at podlandercast. You can find us on Instagram at podlandercast and podlander presents and sickburn jane. Um, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podlanderdrunkcast where you can support the show, uh, which we could not do without the support of our patrons. Um, you can get access to the Slack, to bonus episodes. We're we are behind on what nows. So we're gonna have to get, we're gonna get you some sweet, sweet what now episodes soon. Um, we were discussing. We almost recorded one in the car, but then we worried that it was going to. It would have like sounded terrible, so though, not. y'all. We couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah. Um, anyway, you can get all of those things at Patreon.com/slash/PodlanderDrunkCast. We want to thank all of our patrons, but especially the following wonderful people: <gasps> Kelly Armstrong, Sydney Taylor, BG, Jess Bree, Caswell One Five Six, Maddie Perkins, Snazzy Nath, Lisa Brian, Julia Gulia, Kathleen Martini, Lauren Tennant, Kelsey Kemp, Emily Day, Betsy English, Caitlin Reddick, Jen Collins, Ashley Tegason, R- Nicole Rodriguez, Kristen Freckled Fury. <gasps> Laura Colm, Amelia Bazell, Liz Ann Tinkerbell, Stella Welch, Tori Helgen, Claire Feeney, Rochelle LaFever, Heather Robbins, Jerry Hurdle, Emily Carlson, Amy Gisterson, Rachel Townsend, Kelly Mazzella, Chantal Salter, Mary the Falling Statue, shout out Mary, Tara Lucchino, Viv Pickles, a.k.a. Laura, Mary of the Grapefruit, Jenna Bukowski, Ann Gibson, Ruth McCormick, Kara Marlowe, Trish McCreary, Julie DeToy, Jen Lynn, Claudia Boot, Jen Lynn, Kelly Bodden, Amanda <laughs> Newton, and Kiki the Wise. The Wise. Um, I also want to give a special shout out to Courtney, who met us in Nashville. Courtney, it was so nice to meet you. It was um, so awesome. It was really great. Uh, if you happen to find yourselves at a drag show that Julie and I are also attending, always meet us. Please tell us. We want to meet you. If you're going to see Ginger Minj and Lakaja Foe in Chicago, we're going too. Let us know. We would love to say hi. Um so sh- Courtney, thank you again for, for taking the time to come say hello and for listening and all of those things. Uh, and thanks to all of you for being here for this J- John Bell fan club meeting. Yeah, man. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah. Johnny B. The skies are full of diamonds. Doctor Who shout out. Bye.